Okay, for the reading for the gospel lesson, I'd like to invite up Maddie. His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Emma and Maddie. This time I'd like to invite out two more members of our Ignite team uh, for a skit called Trust Fall. So Melody and Aiden. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I don't trust you. I just said that. Well, I have an exercise that will help with that. I want you to turn and face this way. Now, do you trust me? No, I just said that. (laughs) Okay, when I say, do you trust me, I want you to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. Even though I don't? It's all part of the exercise. Okay. Now, do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. That's the part I'm really worried about. It's all part of the exercise. Just fall back. Okay. Woo! That was great. That was great. Let's try that again. Um, I want you to keep your feet planted this time. Now, do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Fall back. I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm really going to do it. Good. Woo! Woo! That was good. That was really good. Yeah, that was awesome. Are you ready for level two? Yeah, level two. Let's go. Wait, 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 wait. This one's a bit different. I want you to face me. Forward ball? I got it, I got it. Wait, 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 wait. Wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Right. The Jesus signal. Now, do you trust me? Yeah, I completely trust you. Fall back. Fall back? Yeah. Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but there's nobody back there. It may look that way to you. It is that way. Just trust me. Fall back. I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. Trusting in God is where we enter the fourth chapter of the book of Nehemiah. In this, we find the Jewish people among God's work to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Very soon in this series, we'll find ourselves marveling at what God did through Nehemiah and the people and as they rejoice in his faithfulness. We're not quite there yet. To help you and I with how we should respond and thank God, when we face hurdles and struggles, we have to see how Nehemiah and the Jews responded when they faced their own devastations. Up until this point, we see the culmination of so much hard work on behalf of Nehemiah and the people. But we're going to backtrack just a bit 
to a time in the Near East when Artaxerxes was the ruler of Persia. His father Xerxes was the famed ruler of Persia before him. Xerxes and his son Artaxerxes had overtaken Jerusalem and the entire expanse of the Jewish territory, wrestling it away from the Babylonian control. As a result, Jerusalem was devastated, its walls destroyed, and the Jewish people were exiles in a foreign land ruled by rulers who followed pagan gods. And they didn't worship the one true God of the Bible. The book of Nehemiah begins in this time of great devastation as Nehemiah received word that there was only a small remnant of Jews who had survived an exile after the destruction of the city. At some point before this, the people had been permitted to return to their homeland by a previous ruler. But many of them did not, as the home they knew was not there anymore. As the people were in exile in the city and ruins, Nehemiah was so overcome by grief at what he saw that he sat and mourned for days. So Nehemiah did the only thing he could do. In his desperation, he cried out to God in prayer repented on behalf of the people for forgetting who God was and for placing idols before him. Nehemiah called out to God to remember his promises as well, to draw his people back together, even though they had been scattered. What's really interesting to see is how God had strategically placed Nehemiah to carry out this work. As we know, Nehemiah was also the cupbearer to the king which meant he was the official who oversaw the wine served directly to the king. This, of course, was to prevent the king from drinking poisoned wine. But this also meant something significant. The king trusted Nehemiah. Nehemiah decided at the conclusion of his mourning to go to Artaxerxes to make a request of the king that he allow Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem so he could take on the task to rebuild the city and its walls. And even though this request was bold, Artaxerxes granted Nehemiah's request because he trusted Nehemiah. See that strategic placement of God by Nehemiah? The king authorized Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and gave him papers granting him safe access as he traveled. Once back... In Jerusalem, and under cover of darkness, Nehemiah walked around the walls and the gates of the city, and he saw its burnt ruins. The walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed, and the city had been ransacked. The great gates of the former city had been torn down. All this while the people of Jerusalem lived under the seven-decade-long Babylonian exile. So Nehemiah prayed to God, and God answered his prayers to help restore the city. Instead of being paralyzed by the destruction that he saw, Nehemiah systematically began to appoint leaders among the Jews and gave tasks to individual people to reconstruct portions of the walls and gates in order to fortify the city once again. The people faced opposition, though, and not for the first time, as well as not the last. And this opposition came from from opposing nations neighboring Jerusalem as well as within their own walls. But we see the people carry on their faithful work, just as God does. So this is where we come to find ourselves in today's text of Nehemiah 4. The people are right in the middle of the heavy lifting, 
and they're relying on God's protection and his provision. The gates have now been restored, and the walls are slowly being erected, and the work is nearly half finished. As we can imagine, the great gates of the city standing with walls being built between them, some half of their desired height, and many with gaps still in the perimeter walls. And the people find enemies on all sides, both outside the city and within their own ranks. The work continues, not by great leaders, not by political leaders or military commanders, or even the best craftsmen of the region. No, the work is carried out by ordinary people who seek to honor God by following Nehemiah to their promised city. Understandably, it can be challenging to stay focused and be thankful in the midst of tough situations. We can easily think that the people struggled with all that they faced. Even harder still, how can people be grateful in the middle of hurt, devastation, or even tragedy in opposition as God's people surely did in this example? We know, of course, the people persevered and God was faithful. And indeed, there was great celebration and praise of God to come. But we're not quite there yet. We're right in the middle of the work. The people are physically rebuilding the walls of the great city. Imagine, as the text says, they worked with one hand and carried a sword in the other. It would be easy and understandable for the people to become discouraged at any point in this. To feel hopeless and be concerned, their work may never be finished. They faced every conceivable hurdle from being in exile to opposing nations, even to traitors, while they rebuilt the walls. If we take just a moment to imagine the weight of the task that was on their shoulders, it's immense. The people were quite literally standing in the gaps of the wall as they worked. So I want to ask two things of us that Nehemiah and the Jews probably asked themselves. What do we do when devastation occurs? And how can we thank God even when we're feeling desperate? You see, Nehemiah had encountered a painful reality. The city he loved had been destroyed and its walls were in ruin. His people were separated, unable to gather together, and they could not worship God according to their age-old practices. This, of course, is because the temple was also destroyed. Nehemiah and the Jews faced destruction and desolation, and yet they chose to face their pain, to rebuild, and to praise God throughout the work. Yes, the work was seemingly impossible, especially in the face of the opposition. But the people knew God was bigger than anything that they would face. What walls of destruction do we face in our lives? What are we going to do about the destruction and confusion we see around us? And how do we give thanks to God when we feel simply overwhelmed? Even when the opposition arose and it was at its worst, the people kept rebuilding. They continued praying and focusing on God who is faithful. Their work continued. Despite the opposition in short In a short amount of time, Nehemiah accomplished the incredible task of reuniting the Jewish people in Jerusalem and rebuilding the city walls. It's interesting that throughout the book, an astonishing amount of attention was put on actually repairing the wall. 
The broken down walls represented the pain of the past, but the rebuilt walls represented a future of hope. The repaired walls were proof that God had not forgotten about his people. The walls left in ruin symbolized the sin of the people as they had turned away from God during the end of the age of the kings. But the walls reconstructed showed evidence of the faithfulness of God as the king of kings. Finally, in rebuilding the walls, it was an act of repentance as people committed to the covenant that God had once laid before them. In this sense, the destroyed walls represented the people's idolatry. But the reconstructed walls represented the renewed covenant as the people strive to keep the focus on God. In the face of opposition, the people knew God was with them. They learned to rely on God and look to him in prayer to sustain them. So even though they faced immeasurable difficulties, they were thankful. Nehemiah and the Jewish people chose to praise God as they gathered together, even as they were still rebuilding the walls. Again, what walls of destruction do we face in our lives? You and I deal with walls of destruction in our lives all the time. Does life ever feel like a bit like what the Jews faced? Opposition on all sides? Feel like you're attacked by an outside force? Illness, injury, and death feel a lot like ruins in our lives. Brokenness feels a lot like devastation in our lives. In those times, most of us feel helpless as we stare into the ruins. Some destruction we face is not our own doing. But if we're honest, some of the destruction we face is due to our own missteps, our selfishness, our bad decisions, and our own sinful actions. These ruins are painful because we have no one left to blame but ourselves. So what are we going to do about destroyed walls? Nehemiah was not content with allowing the city to remain in ruins or leaving its people in exile. The people could have easily just attempted to live apart from Jerusalem in exile and just get on with their lives, being absorbed into another culture. But Nehemiah was called by God to do something about it. These walls of destruction would not stand for Nehemiah, and God would not leave it where it was. Like Nehemiah, we have to not be content with the confusion and destruction around us. So what are we willing to do to rebuild the walls in our lives? Will we be bold like Nehemiah? Are we brave enough to continue working even when people talk about how messed up our lives are? Can we persevere even when those around us begin to creep in and take advantage of our brokenness? Can we thank God in the midst of destruction in our lives and look forward to his reconstruction? Giving thanks means that we acknowledge the pain and the blessing. We acknowledge our sin and our weakness so we can focus on God's goodness and his holiness. And I know what some of us are thinking. The pain of the destroyed walls is too overwhelming. The ruins are too dark. Wouldn't it be better for us to just move on instead of standing in and dealing with it? We do have some hope in this. Let's give thanks for what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. To be honest, some of us, and probably many of us, 
are facing some sort of desolation in our lives. We might be good at faking it, but the pain is real. What happened did happen. And you might fool your neighbor or your friends, but God knows your pain. God sees your ruins. God sees how sin has impacted your life. It might be difficult and painful to rebuild, but it is worth it. Nehemiah knew this truth, and we need to know it as well today. The hope that comes from dealing with your ruins is that choosing to rebuild opens up the possibilities for genuine worship to take place in your life. For Nehemiah, temple worship and sacrifice were not possible without the walls. The goal, of course, for building the walls was to reestablish a connection to God whereby the people could give thanks together to God. The same is true in our lives today. The goal of the hard work is to follow Jesus wherever he would lead us and to share the gospel along the way. While we know that because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are to be the living sacrifices given unto God for thanksgiving. The depth of genuine worship in your life being a living sacrifice is possible only through God reconstructing the ruins in your life. In other words, if we are living in ruins, not dealing with the destruction, we are unable to point others to God's faithfulness. It is difficult and maybe even impossible for us to worship God. If we are not worshiping God by dealing with the truth in our lives, our brokenness and our weakness, and laying that at God's feet. So how do we stand together in the gaps of the walls in our lives? Defend the opposition that faces us. Remember, these people that stood in the gaps of the walls in Jerusalem, they were everyday real people standing in the gaps. When normal, everyday real people do God's work as we see in Nehemiah, opposition is to be expected. The enemy doesn't want us to succeed. The enemy wants to see destruction, ruins, Lies and confusion derail all people. But in doing God's work despite the opposition, in sharing the truth of the gospel, in learning God's word, having faith in the work of Jesus Christ, and living out our lives in normal everyday circumstances, in your home, at work, at school, with your family, in that morning Sunday school class that you teach or that Monday evening Bible study you lead, you are doing God's work. You are standing in the gaps of the walls. You are turning back the opposition to confusion and destruction, leaving room for God to rebuild in us and through us. As we see with the disciples being tossed about in the waves in John chapter 6, everything is about Jesus. Jesus puts our circumstances into a different perspective. And because Jesus is real and he works through real everyday people who know and love him. So what are we going to do this week to stand in the gap of the wall? And how can we give thanks to God in the midst of it all and trust God as he rebuilds in our lives? Amen.